this into our lives. We realize, Lord, there are times that we may not fully grasp the extent or the significance of these words, but we pray today when we think in terms of relationships that some relationships are extremely important and some of them we have a lot to grow in and learn more about. We commit ourselves to choose to be a people faithful to your words and faithful to your ways and especially the will in which you've established for us. We pray that in our faithfulness we may discover the richness of a community of people who truly have a purpose and a plan to follow you and to love each other in the journey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Every one of us is certainly related to someone, and every relationship is extremely important, particularly when it comes to being a people of faith. Outside of the kingdom of God, you can choose your friends, you can choose who you like, you can choose who you don't like, but as followers of Jesus Christ, that choosing is set aside by choosing to love him and begin to express those relationships in a way that are healthy and meaningful. As much as we may value relationships, we all are well aware that some relationships just seem to naturally become a joy, a pleasure, and give us energy and strength in life, while some relationships, they just tend to work on you and wear you down. As Christians, we are well aware that there are individuals that we naturally connect with and we begin to formulate uh, times in which we really want to be with each other and spend time. And then we realize some are not so friendly. Some may not be so kind. Some may not so much uh, meet some of the needs we have. But because of the love of Jesus Christ, we understand the foundation of relationships indeed is love. And that's what I simply want to introduce this morning, that we know that relationships that are healthy and meaningful, that there really isn't a secret to what makes them work. We know that the secret itself is that love that God has given to us allows to change us, and we express that love and share that love with those around us. Now, that's the simple version. The difficulty is, how does this begin to manifest itself? How does it begin to operate within our lives? How does this love that can only come from God truly accomplish its great purpose in and through our lives? In the scriptures, it might seem a little strange that Jesus seemingly creates two categories in these scriptures. Allow me to read once again in Matthew 12, verses 46 through 50. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and her brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my mother and brother and sister. It may seem strange for Jesus to appear somewhat distant or cold towards the invitation or particularly the request of his family members to speak to him. And even it may seem even stranger yet to give that Jesus would give his closest followers that special status of they are really my mother and brothers. 
We all know that it's important to consider that every kind of relationship does depend on love for it to become healthy and meaningful. And at the same time that every kind of relationship must be built upon that right kind of love. Jesus is not trying to say we should not love our family so that we can begin loving others who are not our family. But again, we all know that in some sense, that love as it is expressed is love no matter how you slice it, no matter how you package it, whatever you may call it, true love is, is really that is what it's intended to be. But we also know that the way we love God is different than the way we would love our spouse. The way we uh, would love our children is quite different than the way that we ought to love our neighbors. The point that Jesus seems to be making is healthy relationships depend on the right kind of love, the right kind of quality of love that is expressed and shared with others around us. We must recognize there are differences in love communicated in different situations or opportunity. As you and I think about our neighbor, there's a kind of love that we ought to have towards them. There's a kind of love that we ought to have towards people that we work with in and out every single day at work. There ought to be a special kind of love that is with your spouse, a special kind of love with your children and even your grandchildren. Each and every one of these, that love looks somewhat different. When it comes to God, though, we realize there's this priority that has been established. And yet that kind of love that we have towards the people that are most dear to us, it's going to look different when that love is expressed to God. Jesus even said to love our enemies. That love is going to look and be expressed differently. In this situation, Jesus is certainly not teaching us to trade in our families in order to follow or, or to be together with those that are followers of Jesus Christ, but rather Jesus is emphasizing a new kind of love for new kinds of relationships. And when our relationship with God is that which overflows out of a genuine love, it ought to reflect in the way that we minister and serve and support those within the community of faith. In Matthew 12, in verse 50, allow me to read that again. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Here we see that what seems to stand out is that those that are, have given their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and those that give themselves to the cause of the kingdom in which Jesus established, they ought to be, in some sense, a priority in our lives. Those in the will of God, these are my brother, my sister, my mother. We ought to love each other differently than those whose will is not set on pleasing God. There ought to be a special emphasis that reaches towards encouraging and building and supporting and truly expressing the love that God has given to us. There's a priority set, not only towards the Lord, but a priority set towards those who also belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. In John's Gospel, a little bit of background for his uh, tendency to not give special time for his brothers and sisters. Particularly, the Scriptures say in John chapter 7, verse 5, that even Jesus' brothers did not believe in him. 
And so they were coming, in some sense, to get a hold of Jesus and to say to Jesus, look, you're taking this stuff way too far. You've allowed yourself to be identified a little bit too big. They did not believe in his identity, and they certainly did not believe in his commitment to ministering to people, especially those that did not fit within the framework of a family. Again, as we look at these scriptures, I want to compare one other scripture I trust might support and add to our thoughts this morning. In Matthew chapter 10, uh, let's read verses 37 through 39. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 10, verses 37 through 39. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Again, we might assume that Jesus has crossed some kind of limit. He's put some kind of new kind of definition on the terms of what love may be. And that's not what his purpose is. His purpose is is to recognize The priority in life certainly ought to be towards the Lord Jesus Christ. And that second priority is to his church, his people, the ones that he has brought together for that purpose of expressing love and living out that love in a sense of community. Certainly the issue is not loving our families less. The emphasis is upon loving Jesus and those who submit themselves to the will even more than we have done maybe in the past. Let's just assume for the moment that all of us have grown up in in healthy families, great families, where love was that which seemingly was the glue that held us together, that we grew up in environments in which our parents truly uh, expressed that love and our grandparents uh, gave that love in, in their unique, special way. And we grew up in homes where brothers and sisters truly loved each other and cared for one another. Our relationships would said to be healthy and happy. Jesus teaches us that as great as that love you could imagine in your mind, and as important and valuable as that love is in that perfect situation, we ought to learn to give ourselves to loving each other even more so. It's difficult to, when we talk about a matter of sorting out priorities or beginning to teach the emphasis on what the purpose and plan of Jesus Christ was to to give that love and share it in a a community sense within a church. And yet the Apostle Paul, uh, John, goes on so far as to say it this way in 1 John chapter 4, all the way back and towards the end of our Bibles, let's look at these. Because we want to begin not only just considering the idea that love somehow is supposed to be important, we want to see the teachings that tie the thought process together. And I trust ultimately will begin to speak to our heart condition and where our hearts truly are in our devotion to God and to one another. 1 John chapter 4 and verses 9 through 12. 1 John chapter 4, we look at verses 9 through 12. Because I think it's important when we consider this love that Christ has given to us and how that is expressed within our lives that we might understand 
that that kind of love is the standard for the love that you and I are instructed and taught to give to others. 1 John chapter 4, beginning with verse 9. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and His only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. Not only are we instructed about the, the, the right thing to do is to choose to love, but when love becomes a choice, not only towards God and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but that love towards others, it truly allows the miracle of the living God's presence within our lives. And that's what John is saying. Not only is it the evidence of a right relationship with God, but it becomes the focus of our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. It ought to show up in expressed ways of us uh, communicating that love. But notice in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, is even a more profound statement that is given to us in the truth of God's Word. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Once again, we could talk about the importance and emphasize the value of a communicating this love, but the scriptures also teach us that the secret of choosing relationships that not only truly love God and love one another, but they become the real evidence, the mark within ourselves that we are truly the people of God. It's because of this great love that the world is going to know that we truly belong to Jesus Christ. As we think in terms of this love, I trust it not only reminds us of the importance of the priority of love towards God and towards our fellow man, particularly those within the community of faith, but we also recognize this is the measuring device of knowing our relationship with God is in the right place. As we think about this love, I want to just uh, talk about this love of Christ maybe a little bit more. Because sometimes we might get the idea that love kind of looks like this, but when you put together the various pieces or the teachings pertaining to this love that God has given to us, then it begins to bring about an awareness in our minds and a, and a challenge in our hearts about how we might express this towards one another. Turn with me to the uh, Gospel of John, John chapter 3. The Gospel of John chapter 3 and verses 16 and 17. Again, these are rather familiar scriptures to us, and we, uh, we humbly might take a moment and consider them and ask ourselves, what does this love really look like? 
Because as we can begin to visualize that love that God has expressed to us and the way he presented us, I trust that that same truth that reveals thought to our mind would also speak truth into our hearts. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Obviously, when we think in terms of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, it's all said in that word love. It's all expressed in that action of love. And His purpose, though He is in fact the judge, He is also the one who has purchased us and bought us out by his own blood. When we and I think about the love of God, we must understand as much as that might create a warmth within our hearts, we know he paid a big price in order for that love to take place. As you and I think in terms of responding to that love and allowing that love to do its work, we trust that it begins to humble us in a way that says, wow, there's area of growth in my own life. Because until we understand the beauty of giving, then love is always going to look a little differently. So that love is first and foremost expressed by the great price Jesus paid, that sacrifice of himself. Now turn with me in the same letter, or Gospel of John, to chapter 8. Because the love that Jesus gave not only was in the giving of himself, but that love was also daily expressed by the truth he gave to humanity. In John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, we see love, not that it is different, but it might look a little bit differently. As Jesus continually went around from village to village, from community to community, he was always speaking truth in love. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and that truth will set you free. Every one of us as parents understands that one of the greatest ways we can express love to our children is to teach them about life. The truth about life. The truth about not only understanding who they are as individuals, but understanding the right way to live. And the right way to live that not only becomes meaningful in a social sense, but living in a right way in our relationship with God. To not teach our children is, in fact, a way that would clearly express a lack of love. It's that love that continues to think about their future and where they're going and the direction of life, how to prepare them and set the tone. We also know another form of love is those unique methods of discipline. Without that discipline, the Bible's clear that there is a lack of love. So obviously we think about love, we think not only in the beauty of Christ giving his life, but in the beauty of communicating truths and sharing it with those around us as you and I learn to love each other. That's probably one tough area. To challenge each other. 
because sometimes our hearts are not in the right place. Certainly our minds may not always be in the right place. But when we truly love each other, we care enough to help each other discover the beauty of this truth. When you and I continue to journey on, we realize that sometimes we need to uh, receive a little bit of instruction and guidance and advice. Probably those that we believe love us most, we can handle it to the greatest extent. It's important to know that Jesus expressed that love by giving us what is called truce. And the same way that we can communicate that love towards one another is to share that within an attitude of that truth. A third thing in which Jesus utilized as a method of demonstrating his love and giving it to us is found in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. If you'd like to turn with me there. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. We know that after Jesus was crucified, buried, and rose again, he ascended to heaven. And in his position, or his glorious state in heaven, he's not simply passing time waiting for the day in which he ultimately will return. But one thing we know that he continually does, and teaches us that he's always actively involved in, is that he is praying for you, and he's praying for me. Hebrews chapter... 7 and verse 25, therefore he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. We know that Christ loves us not only the one time by giving his life for our eternal destiny, but that love is expressed by truth as it continues to not only be given in the scriptures, but that truth also comes by the gift of his Holy Spirit constantly at work communicating to us the areas that simply will bring about more blessing and more effectiveness in our life. But here we see him interceding. Did you ever try to ponder what kind of prayer he has, he has offered for you and I today? Some of us might be scared at that thought. Some of us might be delighted. But I know one thing. There are certain people that you and I may know in life or have known in life, when they pray, they get results. Do you think Jesus gets a few results? By His grace, I trust that we realize that that love is expressed in prayer. But how does that apply to your life and mine? The Scriptures are clear that we ought to be praying for one another. And one way we do that is every so often in our main service here, we get to share a little bit of our life story, and we trust that if I love my brothers, I'm going to pray for them. Every so often people ask about a certain request, a specific need. The way that that love is expressed is to assure them, I am going to bring that before the Lord. And I trust as well we realize the importance of that and that interchange of that prayer support that we have for one another. We truly need each other's prayer support and that love constantly manifesting itself in our lives. Love, obviously, is going to spend time in prayer for one another. Now, we realize that uh, there's other things like in... Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Not only does Jesus constantly intercede on our behalf, and the mystery is... Why does he need to pray for us? Why does he just do what needs to be done in our life? I can't answer those two deep of mysteries. I know one thing. 
But if he demonstrates love towards us in prayer, we certainly ought to commit ourselves to praying for one another because we truly love each other. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy to find grace to help us in our time of need. We understand that not only Jesus is interceding for us on behalf and praying for our behalf, our well-being, our strength, and our growth in relationship with Him, but we also realize that because of Jesus Christ, He keeps the doors to the throne of grace open 24-7. Because he is a high priest who has gone through life, he's gone through the problems of life, he's dealt with the temptation, he's come out the victory, and the scriptures teach that that's our assurance. Our confidence is because he, in his humanness, won the victory so he can stand in the middle gap for you and I. How does that apply to our lives? Well, in the book of Revelation, we clearly see that God's intent and plan And reality is, you're a king and you're a priest. That we are a people of great position within the kingdom of God to stand in the gap for other people. If we truly love, then we will take that role, not so much to puff ourselves up, but is to take a stand on behalf of humanity. You and I have been granted the priesthood of believers role that you and I come as those that stand in the gap on behalf of others. We'd like to believe that we could pray that maybe some of our family members, our loved ones, our neighbors, our co-workers would somehow come to face. But sometimes we need to say, Lord, you don't need to send anybody else. Just send me. You don't need to give someone else the words. Just give me the words. As priests, we are always that in that unique role of offering, extending the love, the support, the comfort that God has done in us, and he wants to do that through us. No person understands your workplace better than you do, and you know the needs of those people around you. And in all situations, we realize that as we grow and in our relationship with Christ, that we are, in essence, priests to God, pronouncing blessings and upholding truths to those all around us. These are the ways that we can express love towards others, is to realize that what Jesus has done, he has invited us to also uh, do and become. Now, another unique one that I think it's good to remind ourselves, if we turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 1, is to realize that many of the epistles which are more of the the teachings that give us the real meat of what we believe and and value and hold to. The Apostle Paul was used by God in a very unique way in giving us a much of the framework of those doctrinal beliefs that we truly hold and cherish. But in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, he begins by communicating in this great epistle that you and I have been given a very special gift— And that gift is so much more than something outside, it's something within. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3, allow me to read through verse 5. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. Now, I want to try to not overly complicate this, but one thing seems to stand out. Our identity has been given to us because of Jesus Christ, and he did it purely out of grace. And part of that ministry of ministering to other people is helping people understand this is what Jesus has for you and he has for me. That you and I might understand That we are not simply a people that did all the choosing and figuring out we would like to take everything we can that's good from God. But rather we are a people that God has done everything and put together every circumstance and every piece of your history in the past, your present, and in the future to bring us to a place where we fulfill this unique purpose and plan of God. That was established in the beginning before time began. You and I must recognize that the beauty of that love is not so much that we choose to love people because we like the way they are, but that love, the choice we make as Christians, is to express the love of Christ regardless of who people are, regardless of who we are ourselves. We are to commit ourselves to being a people in which that love of Christ flows out and it begins to reflect the same quality that was in Jesus continues to flow in our lives. Helping people discover the beauty of who we are because of Jesus Christ. That identity is a huge factor in our culture, particularly in this generation and time. As many people struggling, trying to figure out who they are and where they fit and what's the meaning and what's the purpose of life, that love begins to help formulate This is God's purpose and plan for humanity. And as you and I step into it, and then we express that and live that out and encourage others to become part of that purpose and plan, this indeed is God's purpose and love. Allow me to conclude with one more in Mark chapter 10. The Gospel of Mark chapter 10. And we'll look at verses 17 down through 23. I believe this is probably one of the most difficult ways of expressing this kind of love that comes from Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 10, in verses 17 through 23, we get to the story about the rich young man, or the rich young ruler, as some headings might say, in Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Teacher, good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and noticed and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. 
At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is not making it harder for some and easier for others. But the way Jesus expressed that love is in the communication of truth. He had to love him enough to let the man decide for himself, what shall we do with Jesus? What shall we do with life? I think the hardest thing in giving your life and trying to pour it into helping others is learning to love people enough to give them the space, the time, to do what they are willing to do. It's difficult to express love. It's one thing to live in a way that we try to control all situations and all circumstances, but to let the choices be made. To come to the place where we release people, I trust to God, for His grace and mercy to work, that indeed is love. Jesus expressed that love to its fullest and greatest form. And I trust we realize that the beauty of this life that he has granted to us and the power of that love we trust would not only change us in a way that it becomes clear to others that we are in a relationship of priority with Jesus Christ, but also we're in a relationship with Christ that we give ourselves even if it hurts a little bit. Even if it gets challenging a little bit, we do it for one reason. That love that began in him is at work within us. Let's pray. Father, we are humbled by the reality that you would love us enough to carry out your purpose and plan for history, and you use us in the process. We thank you, Lord, that you have seen fit to work in ways and circumstances to bring each and every one of us to a place of commitment and surrender to you. We pray that we might have that same kind of devotion, that same kind of passion, that same kind of longing to see others come to know you as well. We know that you wish that none would perish. We pray that we might begin to uh, recognize the beauty of that kind of burden. Not so much that we might try to create some kind of control over humanity, but rather let your love change us, transform us, in a way that we keep giving out your grace. Give us the courage at times to speak when we ought to speak and times to walk away when we know the right thing is that as well. We give ourselves to you. May our love continue to flow towards one another in a commitment of what you want to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.